This is your host, Sam Jarocki from J-Rock Lawn Care and Gardening. Speaking about all things lawn care, garden related and business wise, whether you do this at home for a bit of fun or if you're trying to break into the business, sit tight and enjoy the podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to another J-Rock's Green Industry Podcast. Here we are in episode number 77, entitled Interview with Jack Chapman from Kingsbury Lawn Care. So this week, again, like I promised, another guest. And this time we're going to be talking more about Jack, his business, and also a few topics within this, what I think could greatly appreciate um, the sort of wealth of knowledge that's going to come from it, but also help you back home, the listeners, with hopefully your ideas going forward. And it may just help develop your business or at least ideas for your business on how you can achieve new goals in 2023. So to welcome our guest this week, Jack, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, no worries at all, Sam. Thanks for having me. Happy days. So Jack, first of all, like the simple, simplest way of sort of kickstarting these, these conversations are just finding out more about you. So if we can just start off by you telling us a bit about yourself and your business as a whole, sort of what you focus on in, in the main sort of details, then that'll be fantastic. Sure, yeah. So I'm um, the founder of Kingsbury Lawn Care. We're a, a lawn treatment business in the West Midlands. Um, we have been trading as Kingsbury Lawn Care since 2015, um, limited company from 2017. Um, as I say, we're a, we're a lawn care, lawn treatment outfit. So um, we run uh, three, soon to be four vans, a uh, team of four at the moment. Um, so that's sort of the the basics of it, really. Awesome. So, how did you find yourself getting that in 2015? Has this always been a sort of a, a path that you are going to take, or was this by surprise, or how did you fall into the lawn care industry? Yeah, it's a long story. This one. Yeah, <laughs> we got time. <laughs> uh, that's it. Yeah, um, I um, uh, lawn mowing was always a pocket money job at home so we're we're talking as a 13 14 year old i'm I'm 29 now okay uh, so you, you could say i've been doing it forever as well um yeah. but yeah it's always a pocket money job um i posted flyers around my village when i was 16 and i was i had about a dozen lawn mowing customers is how i started out simply um and then from there it sort of took off accidentally i guess uh, I always picked up more mowing work and, and never really let it go. I even went back and forward um, to Loughborough Uni. I did a sport management degree and I'd, I'd, I was only about 40 minutes from home. So I'd go home and, and still carry out this uh, this mowing work that I had. Now, um, as part of my uh, degree, I had a placement year and I was applying for sort of sports marketing sort of roles. And I wasn't seeing to be getting much joy on it. And then I approached the uh, placements office at uni and said, uh, can you be self-employed uh, as your placement year? And they said, bring your business plan in and we'll, we'll check it out. And strangely enough, I had a business plan, as rubbish as it was, sat on my laptop. <laughs> and and um, yeah, I soon, they, they, within seconds, they were like, yeah, let's let's go with it. Because it was already not an established business, but they knew I weren't going to waste my time. Uh, working on it basically so I went from uh, uh, 20 million customers up to 60 as uh, in my early 20s um, also at the same time my cricket club 
uh, were in a, a bit of bother and they needed a groundsman. Now, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just cutting lawns. But um, they soon said, well, uh, let's let's put you on some courses then. And uh, then they were talking sensibly at that point. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I was looking after my cricket club. Uh, ended up um, doing a, a bit of work experience at Edgebaston as well. Uh, part of the uh, with those guys um, for nice. an England Pakistan Test match. Um, so uh, yeah, it just kind of continued to to roll from there really. And obviously with that experience within cricket, I'm thinking, well, actually, we can offer scarifying, we can offer um, fertilizer applications and such within the our services. And this was this is when we're getting sort of into about 2015 now. So um, yeah, so sort of continued down that road. Um, sort of dabbling with a bit of sports turf uh, and lawn treatment, almost keeping my options open in a way, I guess, uh, before really nailing down the path that we wanted to go um, from there. So I suppose that's how I started to get, <laughs> yeah. to get to sort of that stage seven or eight years ago. Wow. So the thing is with that, I mean, you, it seemed that you, you got given this opportunity to obviously uh, give you the time to be able to, to look at your business and be like, right, I can, I've got more time to put into this. What's obvious with the jumper clients that you got, the first thing that comes to mind there is how did you handle the three times growth, you know, to go from around 20 to 60 odd, you know, it's a, it's a good bit more to the schedule. Was there anything that you found, you know, surprising in that time or did it come all really pretty naturally to you to be able to hit that growth? Came pretty naturally, I think, because a lot of those were close together and small lawns anyway. So, okay. so um, um, it wasn't it wasn't like there was a couple of customers that were like half day long jobs almost sort mm-hmm. of thing. So um, uh, that wasn't um, uh, too crazy really. Um, uh, yeah, looking back, that was pretty harmless compared to uh, the sort of customer <laughs> numbers uh, we're on to now. Um, so yeah, just for a bit of context, we'll uh, we'll be pushing on to a thousand pretty shortly. Well, um, obviously, that's very different. Um, as a lawn treatment service, where you may be going five times a year compared yeah. to a mowing or maintenance service where you might go 20 times a year. Yeah. So to a yeah. mowing service, uh, you might only need 250 customers, for example, rather than a right. thousand for the same sort of revenue, just as a, a really quick calculation there. So, um, yeah. So the first thing that, that hits me when, when you speak about their numbers, like regardless of the revenue side of how much money, X amount of numbers of clients would bring in. For me, I I straight away think scheduling, right? Yeah. Like all of a sudden, you now got a thousand customers' names, a thousand addresses, a thousand visit dates. You know, how did you handle that part? Is there sort of certain CRM systems you've got in place or scheduling systems? Like, yeah. So when it was just that first sixty, I'm going to say first a hundred, we sort of went from. Um, offering a mowing service to sort of uh, going into um, lawn treatment. Uh, that was all on a spreadsheet then at that point in time. Um, okay. And uh, I think we used Jobber from maybe 2016, 2017 sort of time, which which was good. Um, but ultimately, you need some sort of technology that's going to help you out. Uh, it's yeah. as simple as that. Um, uh, and it's just going to save you so much time as well, uh, just to, to have that on repeat. And it, it's not just obviously lining it all up, but it's all the communications. 
It's, yeah. it's getting messages out to customers that you come in at a certain time on a certain day for certain service. Uh, and it's also a system that's going to send you invoices then after. Uh, yeah. So and send you quotes. So there's there's a lot to it. Um, but then I think it might have been for either 2018 or 2019, we moved to a system called Call Data Manager, um, which is a specialist lawn treatment software. Okay. Uh, it's UK based. So um, we um, have a master route, if you like, um, where we'll have all the the lists lined up and it will sort of automatically repeat every eight, nine, ten weeks. However, right. we see it. And obviously we have to continue tinkering and working on it for sure because uh, we want to keep it as as optimal as possible as, as you would a mowing route. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it needs technology ultimately uh, to sort of manage it. Yeah, I mean I... – Truly, I can't see another way in which you could take on such an influx and and handle it without technology, simply because it would be someone's full-time job to sit there and, and make sure it works and no one's getting missed. Because I think that's the main part of all these scheduling softwares and how you scheduling clients. And it's the fact that at some point, user error comes along and you either get overran and you forget what seems to be the main one just because you're busy with everything else, that... That seems to be where the problem comes in. Did you manage to dabble with any, just for those out there that are looking to sort of upscale, have you heard of any other sort of CRMs or other softwares in which which could possibly fit other people or that people should check out that could help them? Uh, I think Job is quite a universal one. Yeah. Uh, I know a few that are a fan of Jobber. Um, Call Manager is probably lawn, more lawn treatment based, but it will accommodate mowing customers as well. Okay. Um, and then there's Real Green, which is a, a dedicated lawn treatment uh, bit of software that's American. Um, they're the ones I've come across um, that are probably the most applicable, but I'm sure there's plenty of others out there as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, be... I think it's just it's just handy. I mean, a lot of the times you see these, and what kind of put me off in the start of going down some of them routes is like you see some of them, and you do see that they're, they're at least started off being mainstream overseas and that kind of puts you in a position of thinking oh will that work for us over here and it to be honest in my case it, it's put me off even looking at some of them uh in the first place what's what's maybe lazy a little bit but it's also just enough to kind of deter you and go all right i'll go for something that i've heard of a bit more or whatnot but i think these having something in place that can assist can only ever make your job easier you know, what things along the way have you found, other than the CRMs, of course, that have helped you as a business during what seems to be a very healthy growth within, you know, a company of any sort? Things that have helped me, uh, the the big one that stands out in my mind, um, this was in 2015 as well. It was just off the back of a Google search. I stumbled across what was then called the Lawn Care Network which was a group of about 40 independent lawn treatment companies. So they, they don't allow the franchises as, as members. Okay. Um, just the um, called the Lawn Care Network at that point in time. I didn't really know what I was getting into. It was just a day in January um, at Shrewsbury Town Football Club, so only about an hour from myself. Um, and it was, you've got nothing to lose just to, to get, get around people on a day in January. So... Um, I um I went along to that and that that opened my eyes further to um professional lawn treatment at that yeah. point in time. Now, yeah. just by being 
or making sure you're not the smartest person in the room. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're always learning then. And I was far from the smartest person yeah. in the room. Uh, I was, I was well out of my depth at that point in time, but you sort of got to put yourself in those situations then. Um, so we've been members of the association now as a business ever, ever since, uh, now, now the UK lawn care association, but, um, so it's um, a week after next, we've got the, the annual two-day conference, for example. So um, you, you just get to know people across the country that are uh, smaller businesses than yourself, complete startups, similar size, or, or those maybe with seven-figure revenues with 20 vans on the road, for example, mm-hmm. and everyone in between. And everyone can learn something off each other. And because we're all in uh, different geographies anyway, different spots in the country, um if you choose to be, you can be very open and honest anyway. Uh, you're not yeah, treading on each yeah. other's toes. So um, that sort of power of being in some kind of mastermind or networking group um, is massive because um, if you could eliminate the three biggest, the three most costly mistakes that you've ever made, for example, in business, you could save yourself a lot of money quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to sort of learn from guys that have already been through it um, before you get there and always be thinking a couple of years ahead is uh, yeah the biggest kind of tip I could give maybe when it comes to actually growing a business yeah I mean we speak about this this quite a lot I think to a degree and it it is about usually it's in the form of there's always someone to reach out to right you know there's a a lot of people on Instagram and the Facebook groups now where you know we always advise people look if you're a start out if you're just unsure then the community as a whole is a very, usually a very forgiving and a very open community, you know, the very happy, you know, to help. Um, And one thing that I think of is that I don't think it's, it's known about enough, especially to the new guys, that there is these associations out there and that there's set places where guys can go to, to, to get help, to not only grow, but even to figure the basics. You know, how does something like the UK Lone Care Association, how does that work? Like if there's someone listening to this now, it's the first I've ever heard of it. How do they go by literally just joining? What's the first few steps? I think the first thing you can do is, is stick uh, stick it into Google, uh, as I did all those years ago. Um, it'll be like uklawncare.net or, or something like that, but Lawn Care Association into, into Google and... Um, have a, a little look around, but it's a not-for-profit um, body as well. So all the membership that goes in effectively all comes out to the members anyway. Um, and there's now um, <clears throat> there's now a hundred members um, okay. reached um, this year. So um, yeah, a, a lot of the the bigger players, which are yeah independents, um, and there's been a lot of startups, a lot that are you know less than twelve months trading that have. Uh, that have come about this year as well. So uh, I'm looking forward to meeting some new faces uh, in a couple of weeks' time because um, uh, it's like we, we've got like a closed Facebook group and such, but um, it's not the same as actually getting together in person as well. Um, so they have a, a couple of like summer one-day events as well, see. But um, it's it's a hell of a lot cheaper than maybe getting business coaching, for example, Yeah. Um, to get around people that are in the same industry have been in exactly the same shoes um so um yeah it's been a huge help to me anyway yeah absolutely and that was actually the other one i was I was thinking of i forgot it for a second there but when uh john and jack 
covered the podcast for me, they they also spoke about mentorship and having a mentor that and, and the power of that, you know, that when you hit the points of growth, sometimes you need <clears throat> almost an anchor there, someone that you can relay information to that grounds your thoughts, you know, so you don't get too overwhelmed, I suppose, you know, because I think in this, I see this industry, the green industry, where there is so many self-employed people, you are taking the brunt of almost everything, right? Like you are the person that has taken on the ups, the downs, you know, the problems through it all. It seems to like, it sit, it can sit with you. So what kind of happens at these events that, that enables you to, like you put it, that meant it's cheaper than mentorship. What happens that's the equivalent of how do these events normally run? There's, uh, there's, there's a lot of, um, uh, seminars and help when it comes to operations and marketing. We obviously, we've already touched on, um, software programs and such. Um, but a lot of it's the networking as well and putting yourself out there and developing those relationships um, around the country. Um, there's always a couple of really good icebreakers at the start, just um, with people in small groups and different topics. And um, yeah, and it's always good to sort of go with a couple of questions that you may be looking to get answered as well. See, so you just go in there with a bit of purpose as well. But um, it's just, a, it's a case of creating that environment, I think where mm-hmm. people are happy to, to share and help each other and um from where i'm sat now i have benefited from so many others that have been ahead of us over the last seven or eight years that you're then also very happy to give back you almost feel as if it's your own sort of duty then to help the um the newer faces coming through as well see um as you benefited as well so um i think it's um it's just a case of being a good bloke sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, and and just wanting to help and wanting to share. Um, again, uh, anyone with we're all in different places across the country anyway. None of us are here to take over the world, sort of yeah. thing. Like um, we're only serving our um, even the bigger independents is still only serving you know a couple of counties, maybe sort of yeah. size area, rather than um, trying to go nationwide. Um, so yeah, it's just that environment that I've benefited from. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I, I think being able to have that support there, that network where you can rely on someone, and you know, like I say, everyone's got almost their own pack that they like to do it in, whether it's an association, a Facebook group, or if it is just a group of pals that are all self-employed and can understand where you're coming from. You know, how high would you, from your own experience, obviously hitting that growth and as you've mentioned there, you've been able to benefit so much from how, how much of the main figure point has that been in helping you? You know, where does that sit on the fact of your, your achievements? You know, does it, does it sit there that you couldn't have done it without it? Or, you know, it was just a fantastic stepping stone to be able to have, to be able to dip into that wealth of knowledge, I suppose that I'm guessing is within the group, you know, how much did it affect your, you and your business? So we'll never know for sure. Yeah. What I can know, for, or what I do know for certain is without it, um, everything would have happened a, a lot slower mm-hmm. and with a lot more cost um, with many more mistakes. Um, you could quite have easily have made um, uh, more bad hiring decisions. You could quite easily have made more bad software decisions. You could quite easily buy the wrong van 
you could yeah, quite easily yeah. get the wrong products in or the more expensive products. Um, you Here's a big one it, when it comes to marketing. Um, it's so easy, for example, to to just burn funds, uh, if it be Google AdWords, just as an example, or just not giving a um, a direct mail campaign enough attention or not understanding your target market or just having these sort of little reminders and those little notes that you take uh, at those sort of events where you're working on your business rather than in your business, um, we'll never know. But yeah. um, um, we won't. We wouldn't be where we are today without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. But as to if, yeah, as to where I'd be, well, yeah, we, we wouldn't know. But when when you put it in the context of about twenty five, twenty seven quid a month, or whatever it is, or three hundred quid a year, um, compared to just changing a single fertilizer, just because someone's giving you a nudge on it the sort of yeah. money that could save or just tweaking a marketing campaign or just having a friendly bunch of folks to speak to uh, colleagues from across the country like um a lot of value there in in that alone mm-hmm. one one thing i really like that what you said there is working on your business and not in your business i think is is something that so many of us can can merge you know you you think you're working on your business but really you are just going almost by the motions and just doing what you've always done. And it's this thing of when you're trying to progress, but really routine is kind of holding on to you a little bit too much. And you are just going through, like I say, through the motions, being able to step back and going, right, what what do I actually need to learn to be able to develop here? You know, if I go do this course, yes, I'm not getting paid for three days while I'm on it, but I, the knowledge that I get from that is also working on the business and progressing it. I think it's something that many of us can forget to do. Sometimes it, you get it's huge to invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Investing in yourself is it, just massive. Um, there's there's no doubt about that at all. Um, there's a lot in our industry. Um, if it be lawn treatment, lawn mowing, landscaping, tree surgery, whatever it may be, that are absolutely fantastic technicians. We we learn our jobs. We um, fascinate over the tools and the products and the actual service um but that's only one segment of business um just when you think of marketing finance and hr um those are also areas that have got to be cracked um to grow as well so um it's it's being that um business owner as well as the technician is um uh is where we got ahead as well yeah and that's the thing isn't it is at the start, at least for everyone, I'm sure, or for most, you are the only person doing that. So like, you, it's not like you hit a certain point and then you, you know, you fit all your customers. It's time that you can, there is a bit of space for you to stand back and then go into that. You are that from the start. You are every aspect of what runs a business. And like you say, being the, the guy on the ground isn't 100% of the job. You know, the advertisements that you push out, the marketing campaigns, you know, the way that you invoice clients and the way that you speak to clients or that you quote work, you know, whether it be over the phone or, or in person at that point, or whether it's advice for people that follow up, you know, back to your services. That is all something that needs to be built on. And it's skills that can be, I think, undervalued in the beginning. You think if I just do a good job, that'll be it. 
But there is so many of these other aspects to being self-employed, I think, that that grows a business and that grows you as the business owner that are just so important. What aspects do you think creates, I think is the best way to put it, creates a, a successful business owner? You know, what What do you need to have about you? It's a great question. What do you need to have about you? Um, I think you've got to be um, not not scared of failure. I think you've got to be prepared um, to get it wrong and know what you've got wrong so you can improve upon it Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Um, it's quite easy to, to let your ego get in the way. You think you're always right, um, potentially. Um, and then that's that's not always the case. Yeah. Uh, what else do you need to have about you? I think you'd be willing to learn. Um, as simple as that. Because, uh, again, we're... We kind of we learn our roles inside out as technicians, but there's there's so much more um, out there. Um, I've um, my my other half's always commenting now. I've I've always got a book open um, yeah. <laughs> on, on something or another. Um, yeah, if that be marketing led or finance led um, or or you know uh, people, um, it's it's rarely about grass now. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I still love it and I love being out on the tool still. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, um, but yeah, willingness to a thirst to learn. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. call it. Um, and yeah, sometimes that's got to be outside of our, our own industry as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that. It's, it's almost having the, the humility to allow, to have humility to go. I don't know everything. I'm I'm not the best at everything. These are the areas where I need to improve, you know, and it's, I think when you, it's very easy to get, especially even when you're doing well, it's very easy to stand back and get a bit uh, defensive with yourself and being like, I am good enough. I'm, you know, I'm doing, I'm already doing great. You know, it, it's that humility to go, well, all right, I might be doing great, but there's still room to grow. So what do I need to be able to do to be able to go down that path path of growth? There's always something. And uh, I think that's a fantastic point because it's never too early or too late to, to kind of hit that path of, and I call it humility, but, you know, it's never too late or early to hit that path and go, right, I need to still, goes back to investing in yourself, right? You know, what you said earlier. But even if you've been in the business 40 years and you think that everything's all gravy, you know, there's still something else you can do. It's just deciding what it is and and what the weak points are in in the structure of your business. What you can build on, I suppose, is is a is a nice way to put it. Um, going through that, then, so we've seen how how you are and how you've developed. What is the main services that you now touch on? Now, we we've talked treatments. Is it literally loan care as an absolute whole, or do you still focus on doing loans as in cutting while you're with these clients, like? Where's the bridge of the um, of the jobs that you carry out or services so, you provide? Yeah, so we we don't have any mowing now. Uh, we haven't since uh, 2020, uh, and even then we only had about 20 remaining at that point. Um, yeah, we we got to a peak of about 160 or so, I think, mowing accounts, and then um, yeah, 2018 when we had the drought uh, really caused me to rethink. Um, does this make sense? Um, is this going to be a recurring thing? 
Uh, we're not going to get obviously winter work from it. Uh, we needed to go VAT registered and people, in my experience anyway, uh, weren't willing to pay VAT to have the lawns cut as well. See, so um, mm-hmm. um, we we just we just had too too many overheads, I guess, to be competitive in a mowing environment. But um, yeah, we're we're sold. We offer a lawn treatment program, so we're um, applying fertilizers, spraying for weeds, spraying for moss. We will carry out aerations. We'll be scarifying. We'll be overseeding. Um, we'll apply um, wetting agents, um, soil improver applications. Um, so obviously, it just depends on the on the lawn, uh, what's needed, what the customer wants from it. Ultimately, if they just want green and weed free, or if uh, if they want something a bit more formal, yeah, then yeah. Um, the ball's sort of in their court there. Uh, but we'll we'll carry out um, a lot of renovations where we'll scarify really hard, um, get that all cleaned up, aerate, overseed, uh, and get all that seed brushed and drag matted in. Uh, we'll we'll top dress some as well where needed. Um, so yeah, a full range of um, of lawn treatment and lawn care services that just uh, allows the homeowner to to do the mowing themselves, or or some will have a gardener as well that we'll we'll work with. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah no no mowing the only time we'll get the the mowers fired it would be during a renovation just to clear up um but that's sort of the the scope of the the service we provide would be going like five or six times a year normally okay nice so how, how do you find it with clients are you open to both reoccurring and one-offs or do you try and put everyone on a plan we one-offs are tough they're really tough um so we, we want people for the the long run ultimately from um both a business sense but we actually want to help and create a difference and like you know if you put a fertilizer down or just cut a lump on the on the one off then it's just not quite as rewarding anyway is it yeah so um yeah we we want people for the long run um uh one-offs it depends this is the problem with one-offs so say say they need scarifying and seeding and and whatever it may be so they want a one-off renovation our time's really pre- in spring and autumn um to, to really accommodate those um yeah. so for example uh this was three or four years ago we were doing the end of season work for cricket clubs just um with with my background it was uh it, it was good fun but um we're only seeing them once a year yeah and the, the weather can disrupt that as well now if you've got a customer that's paying you year round you you can't be prioritizing a, a one-off over them so we're um yeah, that it's tough. And by the time you've quoted it as well and, and measured up and assessed and done what you've needed to do, um, yeah, it's difficult to make work, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. There's very few circumstances that we can accommodate them. Um, at the end of the day, the, the customers that we're seeing every eight, ten weeks are the, the ones that are um, both paying the bills for us, but they really appreciate us and our, our service. You go in a Free, you're seeing the difference ultimately you're seeing the yeah. difference customers seeing the difference just by sticking with it yeah rather than being a bit flaky on you so um yeah, yeah those, those reoccurring customers the ones that are, are sticking buyers and and understand that you can't just um treat a lawn for a year and then decide that you're going to remove that layer of maintenance because that's mm-hmm. ultimately what it is an extra layer of maintenance yeah um, and if you're going to pull that away again well, you're, you're running the risk of the lawn going backwards again. So, um, uh, yeah, we want yeah. we want them to stick by us, really. Yeah. 
both the good lawn and the business. Uh. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, having someone on a on a repetitive schedule, you know, can only ever help because you know when it's coming and you know how much is coming in with the cash flow. So it is a massive help. How do you find it in the schedule aspect of seasonal? So seasonal requirements, such as if you're down to do scarification in spring, for example or renovation in spring because there's clients that are getting it done, you know, ready for the year ahead. However, you might plan it in your business. How do you find that? How do you find the ups and downs of the months work? Is there still, do you struggle to spread or to get all the scarifications in at one time or aerations in at one time? Or is it something where you've got a system where over the period of eight weeks, that type of service will be carried out? So the... A lot of the the ones that we view, well, firstly, spring, we've got a lot of new inquiries. So that's, um, um, even though you can make a great difference to a lawn, as you know yourself, all year round, mm-hmm. um, most homeowners have the attitude of they pick up the phone in the spring. Yeah. So yeah. We, we know that's coming. We like, where possible, um, to carry out renovations early autumn. The soil's warmer, um, and we know that we're going to get rain. Uh, here, second half of October, November, we just have solid rain. Yeah. But the homeowners don't even need to water um, realistically at that time of year. When we're carrying out renovations in August and September, that's the sweet spot to the point where with our customers, we guarantee the seed germination. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're, we're guaranteeing a, a living product there uh, and we will touch it up if needed um, over the, the coming months and even the following spring. The spring renovations, we unless they're going to be watering that, you know, once, twice a day and have a lot more patience, um, we we only tend to take on small ones at that time of year just to okay. play it safe. Because if you're just going to spiral into a drought potentially as well, mm-hmm. um, you, you're setting yourself up for a fall, um, yeah. both the homeowner and us. Um, it's it's not going to look good. So um, we do do some in the spring though. So it's a, it's yeah. a busy time of year, but just as much so for new inquiries. Um, okay. And we'll carry a lot of aerations. Um, where we are, there's a lot of clay soil. Um, so we can't really be on or even dare schedule any aerations from past maybe the middle of November through okay. till the start of March. So winter's slightly quieter as you can expect um and summer's steady um because we're just carrying out summer fertilizer applications okay um and then spring and autumn a little bit heavier um, yeah. yeah with the with the mechanical work and we'll we'll cover slightly longer hours um yeah. but it, it balances quite well uh but uh, there's always going to be swings and roundabouts as i'm you know i'm sure you experience as well yourself um, yeah try and iron it out as best we can yeah absolutely and i i think that that's the main reason behind that question because when you think of a number of close to a thousand clients you know you automatically think right the only way to get that done is obviously of the increase of of manpower within the business you know to be able to get that amount seen to um that was my main thing with it would be during them periods of you know high profile visits so like you say in august september time is very heavy on the renovations you know is that a lot of repeat clients that need almost a yearly touch-up on renovations or these new people just coming in that needs that that base set yeah so very few 
um, have an annual renovation just with how hard we go at them. Yeah. Um, so very few have annual scarifying, to be fair. It okay. tends to be more a two, three, four year sort of job if we're going to really strip into it. So it's a lot of new customers to really pull them around. And then from there, it depends on um, what they're looking for ultimately yeah. from that point. We can do some light scarifiers and we can carry out, you know, that that's a little bit easier going and we'll carry out a lot of aerations. So much of the year round, you know, excluding the, the height of the summer and the depths of the winter. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, we don't tend to need to increase manpower in the autumn. Uh, my dad's give me a hand, and my youngest brother's give me a hand before, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, they'd be happy to muck in. Um, but yeah, it's just being wary of. Uh, we're, we're telling customers all summer, look, you know, time time's limited. Uh, we are yeah. only a team of four, and Kelly's in the office, so we're there's three of us outside. Um, so um, you know, we'll encourage early bookings and early scheduling of them all. Absolutely, um, and yeah, so we I think renovation wise, we probably carried out about a hundred, okay, uh, maybe one hundred and ten in the autumn. But it, it depends on the size of the properties because if if you've got one that's eight hundred square meters, it's a very different job to to one that's eighty. Yeah, uh, the the sort the numbers I can throw out, are, you know, even for every individual lawn treatment business, could mean very different things in different yeah. parts yeah. of the country. But that's. Uh, that's the fun bit about uh, what we do. Absolutely. And I think that will take us into the second part of this podcast really, you know, really nicely with talking about manpower and also how Jack's maybe went from employing these people, how he found them, and also how it helps them to what degree, you know, is the more pros and cons by increasing your team and increasing your workforce. So we'll be back in just a moment after this break to speak some more. This episode is brought to you by Total Loan. Total Loan provides scientifically engineered loan care products to homeowners, hobbyists and loan care professionals. Their range of fertilisers and biostimulants will keep your lawn looking lush, green and moss free all year round. I use Total Loan products for my customers and on my own lawn and I think you should too. The team at Total Loan put quality above anything else when they're producing their loan feeds. They use ingredients that are rarely if ever used by their competitors to give you the best loan possible. Try Total Loan today at totalloan.co.uk and use code Care at the checkout to receive 10% off your whole order. Total Loan are so confident in their products that you can use them on your loan, and if you're not happy with the results, you can get in touch with them up to 90 days later for a full refund. Go to totalloan.co.uk and transform your loan. Welcome back, everyone, after that short little ad break there. So the first thing that I want to touch on here, Jack, is, you know, you mentioned the workforce and you mentioned you've got employees as well. Four altogether, including yourself, is that correct? That's it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my my main thought on it is, you know, you see a lot of these conversations about people humming and hollering whether to take on more employees, and I know this might be slightly different from those that do an overall maintenance of grass cutting, strimming, you know, general maintenance of areas to someone that does more you know, loan treatments focused or loan care as a whole. But I think there's going to be a lot of things that people can kind of drag across and, and take from your experiences. The first thing is, first of all, how did you find it, you know, taking on client, uh, new employees? And what was the first step where you thought, right, I, I really need someone else? Like, how did you go buy it? Uh, it's, it, it's a, it was a little bit forced on me in the, the first instance because of being back and forth from, from uni, see. Um, right. so it, was a, it was a little bit um, odd um, early on. 
Um, the the first couple of guys, certainly the first, one of the first chaps I had, um, uh, he was he was a friend. Um, ultimately, um, at the um, the early stage, and um, you you sort of you cringe a little bit when you look back <laughs> at some of your some of the things that you've sort of done in the past and how you've started out and and such because you you do things so much differently in hindsight um, um, compared to how we go about things now. Um, yeah. But um, it's it's scary, I guess, in many ways. As soon as you're um, recruiting, especially doing what we do, we you know we work pretty solo. We have we have sound relationships with our customers. Um, so it's it's having that um, willingness and ability to be able to delegate and and let go a little bit, um, and you can only do that, I think, by training somebody really well uh, and and not rushing that that training period and making sure they know their role inside out mm-hmm. and that they are working to your standards, and then you're able then to let go that you know so much easier. Uh, by having um, an onboarding plan, simply. Like, it's all well and good um, finding um, a superstar to recruit. Um, and then, um, you, you, you know, you, they don't fit your, your values, your way of working. Um, and that's ultimately down to yourself um, to get right. Yeah. So um, I think that makes things um, much easier then working as a pair for a, a little period of time. Um, but at the same time, you've obviously still got to make a profit as a business. So you can't just uh, have someone on the books that isn't contributing, but mm-hmm. um, they've got to have a training plan of some sort, even if it's really basic to start with and something that you can build out with time. Um, we had like a, uh, we use it today. We have like a, a matrix and now each, um, <clears throat> each day they'll have, you know, some idea of where they're going to be and what we're going to be working on, even if it's like on top of um, the the given job at the time, we might, you know, discuss, you know, a risk assessment regarding the scarifier or the use of PPE or spraying near water or little thing, almost little discussion points in the van almost. Mm -hmm. So they really get to know um, the ins and outs of the role that we're asking them to do. Because it's all well and good in six months' time, whinging about an employee that you hear so many people do. Um, well, you know, did did they train them well enough? How how was that recruitment and selection process? Um, did they even get many applicants in the first place? How did they select them? And then how did they onboard them? There's so many areas where it can go right or wrong um, before getting into that sort of uh, painful situation that everyone so keen to avoid and well you know here's so many people is oh yeah i you know, i have to scale back or i went that way run, once and i couldn't do it again sort of thing well mm-hmm. you know from from my mindset it's ultimately down to the business owner um you know people aren't different uh, across the country some people are able to do it and some aren't sort of thing and i think that just comes down to again personal development and sort of the skills of the the business owner and uh, and taking a few calculated risks but but having everything lined up and and documented and a uh, a plan uh for things you know i i, I hope 
people understand the the value i think of what you've just said there uh, you know the fact of having that onboarding process like what you called it you know i think many a times like you know i've thought about it a couple of times of bringing someone on you just think oh how can you do it and you think it's it's a scary thought and i want to i want to list why i think a lot of people you get to a point where as you mentioned there you sort of grow your baby you know how to handle your customers, you've set up this reputation, and you know how you want your business run. The thought of letting someone into that, let's call it the inner circle, you know, of your company, you know, to to hold your brand name, your company name, and to deliver a service, you want them to be, to an extent, a replication of yourself. You know, as you're saying there, how well have they been trained? You know, and it comes down to the business owner. They are, I suppose you want them to be a reflection of you. You know, we, we always like sort of mentioned it in the military of, you know, when you're carrying something out and your commanding officer is said to do something or this is the main overall task, you know, you're carrying out this job on his behalf. You know, it's came from him. So whatever you do there, that ground, or whenever you're wearing that uniform, you're carrying it out for that organization. You know, in this case, we're talking British army, you know, it's a reflection of the higher up of the overall picture. And it's something that I think it's very easy to, to surpass. I can see the problem with it. I can see how it would be really hard, but as you mentioned there, it's having that onboarding process and that plan in place of how you're going to do it. And I think that's something that, you know, even thinking now I'm, I'm trying to think of how I would have done it pre this sort of conversation. I don't know how much I would have put down in writing, come to think of it now how did you find that onboarding process when it came to it did you find that you actually sat down and went you know i'm gonna this is gonna be a probationary period the first several weeks several months my aim is hit these sort of targets in training and then this is going to be the aftercare side like how have you sort of worked the onboarding process it's um it's grown with time because uh, yeah. even looking back only a couple of years um it's far more robust now because you you tweak things and you learn from them um mm. and you continue to develop um so nothing's ever perfect and there's always little tweaks we can put into it um how how I found it um it's it's even easier now uh, so having done it a couple of times i think everything in business is is a little bit scary and alien the first time Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still a massive decision um, because even when so we plan on going from a team of four to a team of five in the summer, we expect to need another technician in the middle of the year. Even then, it will be a huge process and a huge decision to make because um, it, when you're in a small business, if if one person doesn't quite fit, that's that's big trouble. Um, it's all well and good if you've got an organisation of 30 of you and one person is not quite the right person. You probably cover that up a little bit. Yeah. But as 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 micro businesses um, of, you know, sub 10, um, every single person has got to be um, the, the right person. Um, I think we have it written into our contracts that the first three months is a probationary period. And that's not just for us, that's them as well. So if they decide that um, it's not what they thought, the role's not for them, then the notice period is a week rather than a month. 
Um, I'm, I'm just recalling from memory here, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Because, um, it's again, it suits both parties because um, people don't always know what they're getting themselves in for. Yeah. Um, when they, uh, we try and make it as as, uh, as clear as possible. It's, it's just like I compare it as well to when we're marketing for new customers. We put so much time and effort into our marketing um, for customers and thinking about our target market. Well, when we're recruiting, the same uh, pillars has got to have got to go um, into that as well. Um, it's yeah, it's just um, it's just vital. So um, <laughs> how how we're sort of displayed? Oh, just our website. We'll have a careers page on the website. Um, our Indeed profile. Uh, how we come across on social channels. Um, you, you've got to be an attractive company in the first place um mm. I'm, I'm wandering around here from what you what you asked already but um yeah like our indeed profile it's it's just like when you're looking for new customers you'd make sure your your google business profile's fully completed well yeah. that's got to be the case for indeed hasn't it if you're you're looking to recruit um you're effectively competing against bigger companies everyone's got options they can work for who they want in what industry that they want what makes you stand out? Why why should they work for you and your company? Uh, what is making you different? Exactly the same as when we're marketing for for customers. Um, that sort of thought's got to be put into it. Um, I'm sure we're talking about onboarding. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we are. But you have answered it. I mean, what I'm getting from what you're saying there is half the battle, the battle of the onboarding process isn't so much all what you do once you're through the gate, but the right person get, in the first place. Yeah. If you can yeah. narrow that down and get, you know, 20 people's came for it and it's not 20 bad apples. It's, you know, That's you've got it. 17 people that are, you know, they understand what your company is. They understand what the job job is that they're going to be doing. And they understand that they might already enjoy the job and that they're going to fit that type of team. Then, you know, it doesn't matter if you've got, a few that's that's bad to get through or whatnot. The chances are, you know, the person you're going to select or the person that the people that you're interviewing is already going to be a very good fit for your company, which makes the onboarding process even easier. What I was kind of getting at even more so is once when they're in there through the gates, you've given them the handshake and said, look, the job's yours. What's your sort of template, if you can share it, what you would normally work off at that point to ensure that they're trained correctly sure so um if it be um a tech or it's the same with the the office role um i think we would work as a pair i, I find for, for doing what we do i've i've found that recruiting mid to late summer is a great time because then um, we can work as a pair, even if it was with the new recruit or if the new recruit was with Stan, our uh, our lead tech, um, they can work as a pair then through autumn renovations. Mm -hmm. So if it be me with them or, or who it may be, uh, the team of two uh, with the trainee, if you like, could take on the bigger renovations with the safety blanket of having another tech with them. Yeah. Um, so uh, renovations um, has been a, a decent starting point. Um, and yeah, we've got this. Um, we've uh, we've got this template that we can then keep editing for a, a new tech in terms of um, where we'd expect them to be after a week, 
after four weeks, after three months, for example, um, even if it's just um, knowing your way around the yard in the first yeah. week, knowing how to log into certain systems and real basic things like that. And then we can kind of, it's a bit of a tick, tick sheet uh, to go off then. Um, just so they, because it's, it could be scary for them as well. We say, oh, it's scary for us in, employing, but um, it's still someone starting a new job in a small company. The, mm-hmm. Uh, they don't quite know again what you're getting in for until you you're on the inside. Um, so we'll we'll work through those uh, those things and making sure they feel invested in. So yeah. every if if I'm out with said new tech um, on that Friday, then great, we can have that chat face to face. But if I'm not with them on that Friday, then on that crib sheet there'll be a phone call mm-hmm. and we'll have a chat about how they found the week um, and what they've enjoyed about it what they felt a little bit weaker in, what they feel a little bit behind in maybe. So just an informal chat. Um, it, it might be five minutes, it might be half an hour over the phone just to check in and yeah. see how they found it, um, how they found the customers, you know, if they've got preference for certain machines and such. And it's sort of having that open two-way conversation then because if you've got that, if there is something that they're not quite sure on, they're, they're then going to be open and honest and uh, and discuss it and you can can work it out or you've still got a chance because there's no point in them bottling it up for two months and then as soon as I'm out by themselves sort of pretending that they know what they're doing when yeah. they don't um so yeah we we'd like to think it pretty comprehensive in terms of the things that we need to work through because obviously for us we need to get our PA1 PA6 license as well in there mm-hmm. um we've used um a company called Pro Lawn Care uh Richard Salmon. Um uh he looks like does some training, um, mm-hmm. some more technical training that we've had. Um so we've we've had new guys um go down there in Cambridge as well. Um so that's like part of the sheet. Even online seminars, uh association, uh workshops, um Soltex, uh just little things where we're investing in them, they're getting a feel for the industry as a whole, certain technical aspects understand our values our services uh get to know our customers so again when they are um you know a couple of months in there or thereabouts they're confident then out by themselves because they've done it all as a pair anyway um yeah because then we'll be into like autumn treatments and aerations yeah so they've got a full knowledge of the system uh that we're using on our ipads for sort of sending invoices and such and generating quotes and uh, and it's giving them the confidence as well. Um, so yeah, it works both ways. Yeah, you know what? I I absolutely love that. That that's honestly that's awesome. You know, to be able to think that you're in a company to have steps in place. And may I just suggest, uh, not even suggest, may I just share with you that it sounds like you're doing an absolute top-notch professional system within your business. It's um, it's really quite inspiring, actually, Jack. Um, yeah, to be able to have that and no, no worries to have the steps in place there, but more importantly than the steps in the progression steps, but the pillars, it seems like you've got such a structure around your company that people know what they're kind of going into. You know what you, you want from your employees to be able to bring them to the next level. And I mean, like you said, other on you earlier on there, you've got a lead technician, you know, people know that, as the company grows, as the teams grow, that there's going to be them progressional steps and that hopefully that thought to be like, that's the position I want next. You know, that 
I, I want to aim for that. And it, it doesn't just give someone a monotonous, oh, I'll turn up to work, i turn a few borders, or oh, I'm going to chuck out some feed, and then that's me, that's all this job's ever going to be. You know, there's that eye line of, there's somewhere to go from here within this company. And that's one thing that I've thought a lot of is how, when it comes to it, and I make this big push, am I going to open up the company that people can see that they're not always going to be the number two. You know, there's going to be a point where you're going to be lead of a team and there's going to be something to progress through and almost almost ranks within the business, you know, to, I think, to to keep the drive alive, you know. And I think that what you've kind of stated there with learning, the continuous learning, there's always something to strive for and there's always something to get better at. And and to be able to offer that, that within, like you say, a micro company there, it's it's going to help massively, I think, for anyone that's thinking it. And it almost makes me think, even when you're starting out with just one employee, that having all these steps in, it can't ever be too much because how you, how you start is only just going to show you the path of how you're going to keep on going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> for us, obviously... But... There's a lot of work that's still um, we're still lone workers almost. It's not like there's a there's a massive sort of management team as such that's anytime soon. So there's still yeah. sort of a ceiling when you sort of use the word progression, maybe a little bit. However, the the big one um, for us and what everyone gets and is on board with, um, uh, we had like a, a meeting in December. Um, where I was, I've, this was something outside of a book uh, called Traction. <laughs> this right. one, but um, yeah, um, uh, outlining a ten-year plan, uh, even though it's it's got to be vague at that sort of distance. But outlining a ten-year plan, outlining three-year goals, which are a bit more accurate then in terms of what we can achieve collectively, um, and where we need to do and what we need to uh, to to do to achieve that. Um, and everyone can see it. Everyone can see, um, and they fully believe in ourselves as a team and they've seen what we have done over the last couple of years. And it's quite easier to sort of see further ahead then to think that we've, um, we've gone well during a pandemic and and now a cost of living crisis, uh, recession, whatever it may be termed as in the news sort of thing. Um, yeah, we're, we're making it happen. So um, there's there's sort of an inner confidence there, I guess, and mm-hmm. and people again, I'm an open book in terms of uh, with the guys in terms of what uh, uh, what you know the capabilities are and and where we're heading. So I hope that's motivating because it, it certainly is for me. Because as yeah. soon as you, it's a bit like you say having a coming back to having a mentor and such, but just by um, outlining a goal and saying it out loud. There's accountability there mm-hmm. straight away. Just by you saying, I want to achieve this, you, you don't want to make yourself look like a bit of an idiot later on, do you? Sort of thing. You, yeah. you want to go and make it happen. Um, so we've, um, as a business, we've, we've sort of laid that down um, where we're heading. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, we're on a, good, on a good track for it. Well, that's honestly, that's great to hear. I mean, Jordan Peterson talks about it where he kind of says have a plan like simple as that have a plan and there'll be times in your life where you're sort of sat there floating not really knowing what direction you're gonna go or you know or if there's 
and this is me sort of paraphrasing here, but whether to push or whether to pull, you know, which direction you're going to take things. And what he says is to literally just make a plan because as soon as you put whatever that plan is, it doesn't need to be 100% correct. It doesn't need to be the actual thing you're going to do step by step by step. But instead, it can be at least something to work towards. And then when you naturally take them steps in the plan, you'll figure other things out. Different things will come across your way and there'll be different crossroads and you'll go, well, you know what? I was heading in that direction, but but now this opportunity is shown to myself. You know, for example, a contract is now came through that I wasn't expecting. Oh, I might actually try my hand at doing uh, contracts or working with councils. You know, you just don't really know what's going to kind of come your way. So as long as you've got something there, like what you've said with your 10-year plan, at least you've got something where you're heading somewhere. And as soon as you've, like you say, said it out loud, you're accountable for it. You've got something that you've went, I'm going to do this. And you've got, you know, if you've got any any pride in, in sort of the goals and the achievements that you want to make, then you're going to try your hardest to stick to that, you know. Um, when it comes to the employee side of things, what at what point did you go, right, now I've got my loan text, you know, we're able to get the work done, but now the office side is overflowing and I can't keep on doing it. So at what point did you find yourself that you needed to bring someone into that sort of office-based role? So um, I was a a little bit fortunate, I suppose, You've um, in a way in that um, my mum was a, a teaching assistant and there was an option of, a, of taking a voluntary redundancy. I think this was in 2019. Mm. And, um, yeah, I was doing everything sort of situation. You know, the feeling with the invoices and being out on the tools and, yeah, early yeah. mornings and evenings with all your bits and pieces and your quotes and the phone calls and the voicemails. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little bit from everywhere, right? And then, yeah, we're on about, you know, trying to work on the business and such. Um, but, yeah, um, uh, she came in to do 15, 20 hours a week, I suppose, on, on average. I effectively had somebody part-time that I could trust straight away. Um, yeah. Is the, the fortunate bit, I suppose, in many ways. Now, you can get, like... Um, virtual receptionists and and such like even now we have a call answering service so um we don't you can't get us on voicemail it's impossible if if the phone isn't picked up it goes through to a um a call answering service that that takes a message for us and sends us an email so if we've got a new customer uh potentially they're unlikely to call somebody else because they've left us with their details thinking they've spoke to us at least so they've always got a human being, for example. But um, yeah, coming back to the point, yeah, my mum was um, uh, doing a job for a um, certainly eighteen months, if not a couple of years, um, just sending the visit reminders, a uh, bit of scheduling, invoices, you know, the middle of the day customer queries, where you just can't be on the phone and treating a lawn at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then got to a point about eighteen months ago where, um, again, I'm really busy again in the office. There's almost <laughs> that I need to let go of here. And it was never a job for my mum forever anyway. Um, so then we needed to employ full-time in the office. It was, again, I'm already paying someone that's doing, you know, a part-time job, so it's not too much of a jump then sort of yeah. thing anyway. Um, so, yeah, got um, got recruiting. Um or yeah, a business development role, office manager role, um, business support, however you wanna wanna term it on indeed ultimately. Mm. Um someone that was 
going to be up for the challenge of doing a bit of everything uh, in many ways. Um, so yeah, got got recruited, and we had um, I'm going to say about a hundred applicants. Well, was, um, but the thing is, um, not all of those then come back to you or um, fill out the application form or such. There's almost got to be ways of qualifying them as you would a customer again, almost. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you kind of you filter them down, but um, yeah, we we found Kelly, um, and she started. December 21 she's done just over a year with us but now um, she's doing a lot more than what my mum would have been in terms of for example scheduling um, yeah. I she loves the scheduling I hate scheduling uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's always bits within your own business that you're like um, hate's a strong word to be fair but I'd rather be working on other things yeah um, so but yeah um, again the just new inquiries come the spring and such. It means I can be outside again. Yeah. So again, yeah. um, some of the week I'll be inside, some of the week I'll be outside. Uh, but there's a lot of things that Kelly can be working on, uh, from an office side. But um, yeah, we um, yeah, we we a bit different for an office role in terms of what we needed to work through and what I needed to put across. So it was a little bit alien again in a way. It was the first time again. But um, getting across like the the software and different systems and the bookkeeping. Um, yeah, payments, uh, yeah, scheduling, uh, invoices, just common customer queries. Now, even though she, uh, Kelly's in the office, um, people have sort of like quite technical questions that they'll throw at her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she, um, she knows her stuff now, uh, <laughs> sort of thing in terms of answering those. Um, there's very few emails that then get forwarded to myself now. So, um, uh yeah she's been fantastic um yeah so yeah fortunate to have kelly and everyone i suppose uh yeah. that we've uh, that we've got as part of the team yeah a little bit different the obviously recruiting on board in the office role but it was needed and yeah chuff that i did at the the sort of timing that i did well i th- you know i think that and the fact that you're able to get the progression like you say that you're able to bring on someone that you trusted so much so soon with when technically, you know, I think with a lot of these jobs, you know what you expect out in the field, but to then have it somewhere like an office-based role when although we do it, we never see ourselves as, or I don't personally, I, I never see myself that I am an admin assistant or an admin manager or however, like you say, phrase it, but you're still then the person that's got to deliver that training of how you want it to be carried out. You keep on saying at the office there, at what stage did it come where you decided you needed the facility to be able to to house such an operation, let's call it, such a HQ? What is base kind of like for you? So, uh, base, um, in a way, there isn't one. Um, so, uh, okay. we, we have a unit um, <clears throat> at the, the yards, because obviously with the amount of machinery that we've got and the fertilisers that we've got in... Um, that's that's much needed. Uh, mm-hmm. So we've had a unit for about the last three years and a, a smaller one before that. But I work from home and Kelly works from home. Okay. Um, it would be the size that we're at the minute. It'd be foolish to be paying the rent on a on an office for Kelly to some days be sitting there by herself anyway. Yeah. Um. It 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 wouldn't make sense just yet. However, um, going forward, uh, as we need to 
Um, for example, like a sales and marketing role, maybe that sort of, again, I'm going to get super busy um, and there's going to be something to, to let go. But the next time that we need to onboard an office role, then it depends on what's available at the time and, and how it all works out. But um, it's on that three year, it's on the three year list anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's to not be in somewhere um, else, but to, to have something lined up. Um, yeah. So we'll, We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, see that that's what I was thinking. Like, so for example, when when we got invited down to go see the Total Loan HQ, you know they've got this HQ, and it's very much that it's like a it's like a, a hangar, I suppose, or a yard of sorts, you know. But then it's got a couple of offices inside where also you can have people stationed. So I was thinking there. I was wondering if it was that type of facility where you had both. <laughs> yeah, one and you, and you will, mate. You'll hit it. But um, yeah, I was wondering if it was one of them where, you know, we all know that's in this industry. If anyone that's looked at sort of office space or storage space, you know, they they don't come by by cheap. You know, I mean, storage containers just under a hundred pound where I am up here in the north of Scotland. If you want something bigger with your sort of HGV sized uh, garage doors and I think an office inside, you're looking at close to eight hundred pound a month, um, mm-hmm. including that. So, you know, it, it, it's a good bit more overhead to take on. But it's interesting to see that. And I think especially the way that these areas, well, the economies went where working from home was such an obvious thing for office workers. You know, it's very much, it's more easily done, I think. And it's very much normal practice now to have someone working from home, but for you. One question I've got for you is earlier on, you mentioned the call answering service. I think that could be really handy to a lot of people. What type of service was that? Was that like a a, a Fiverr sort of job where you get someone from a totally different country? Or how does that system kind of work? I'm trying to think what they're called now. There's there's quite a few of them that are all UK-based. Um, okay. I've um, previously used one called Moneypenny, um, where it's yeah effectively like a virtual PA effect, you know, just that's going to take those calls. Um, and they've got an app and that's pretty high tech. Um, Answer for You is another one that rings a bell. Um, take My Calls. That's what ours is called. Yeah, that's them. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they have different packages where, um, say, there's there's 20, 20 calls a month. It might start from, I'm not sure, top of my head, but it might cost you 25 quid a month. Um, you know, it tends to cost a pound or just over a pound a call. Uh, but yeah, just for anything that you miss, if you really hate voicemails, mm-hmm. um, anything that you miss, they pick up, um, and then they send an email with who's called. You can set different questions that they have to ask the caller. If it just be their name and where they live and, and, you know, some basics, if they're a new customer, for example, the phone number. And is it a real person on the other end? Or yeah, is it... yeah, it's a real person. Yeah, it's just going okay. through to a um a um yeah, call answering office. Okay. Um and they, their job is literally to answer calls for small businesses. Um, is yeah. there a way where you can set that up to actually answer the initial call? Are you aware? Yeah, well, if our phones are turned off, it'll divert straight to them. Okay. For example. Um but yeah, I think in, in your standard mobile phone, there's like um a number in the back end, isn't there, that takes it to voicemail. Yeah. And they, they just give you a number to, to copy in there. And then anything that you miss, rather than going to voicemail, goes to them. But awesome. um, Yeah, they're open 
you know, they literally, they're open 24-7. Somebody, um, someone listening to this podcast could try this now. And uh, yeah, three yeah. in the morning, uh, try and ring us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the phone, that it should get picked up every time. Um, I think the only difference with between different ones and different price points might be if you have like a dedicated uh, virtual assistant almost. You have okay. one person sort of responsible and maybe one person that covers them. Like with ours, like it can be anyone in their office sort of picks up the phone, whoever's quickest is sort of how they work. Yeah, um, yeah. So current customers, if they're aware, know that the call's gone to court, but they don't mind and then we're going to get back to them. But yeah, yeah, a new yeah. customer has no idea uh, yeah, and they yeah. think we've answered the phone. Someone's just pretending to be us. Um, but yeah, if you think of, even if it costs you 50 quid a month, if you are missing out on work, um, because they're potentially calling somebody else. If you're getting that, oh yeah, I'll, I'll call somebody else sort of response. Mm-hmm. Or not everyone likes leaving a voicemail. So you're just getting missed calls and they're not left a voicemail. Yeah, It's all just a bit confusing almost going back through your phone of an evening um, as to who's called, who they are. You're not saving every single customer's number to your phone, sort of like... So it's all just a bit scruffy otherwise. So we could we could never go back now. Uh, but yeah, it's just yeah. a fail safe because... I could be out on the tools and Kelly could be on the phone to another customer and somebody else rings wanting to move the visit or it's a, a new customer or whoever it may be. So, um, uh, yeah, it's a no brainer for the, what it costs us is, um, is how we found it anyway. Yeah. I, I do think that's a massive point because everyone would have done it at some point, either not being in a position where they can answer the phone or really talking to a client right in front of them. And you do, and you either leave it, you ring back, they don't answer again or it's just the whole thing of, oh, well, I tried to ring you and blah, blah, blah. And having something like you say, what still keeps you professional. My problem at the moment is when I made this mistake when I first started out to use the same number as my private number. And that's created a couple of problems along the way. But one of them being when I've been in full-time employment, if I receive an unknown number call, you know, I've got to answer it because it's also the same way that my primary job would ring me. So you'll, I've always got to answer it. What means that I can never answer the phone is, hello, this is J-Rock Lonke and Gordon and Sam speaking. Right. You know, I can't answer it that way because it could be it could be a client or it could be current employer. And it's something that bugs me every single time. So if you're in a situation like that and you're working part-time currently, you know, on the side in your business, or if you are just full out, I think looking into them, several options there, which was um, the ones I picked up from you was Money Penny, answer for you, and take my calls. You know, make your own decision on which one, but definitely it, it would be worth checking out. So moving on from that point there, then, what is, you know, we've talked a lot about your business, where it is, where it's came from, and obviously you've hit a, a lot of growth in in that period, and I feel like you've put a lot of great things in a, in a position to be able to move forward. What is it that you sort of see happening for the next sort of three to five years in your business? You know, do you have already goals in place? And if so, what are they and how do you plan to achieve them? Yeah, so um, it we we want to serve as many people as we can. Um, we we want to, ultimately, it comes down to helping people. Um, and I think that we have something that we can deliver as an independent lawn treatment provider, uh, employing and training specialists um, and just offering that bit more uh, than a, than a franchised company, for example. 
mm-hmm. and, and we just want to get that out um, further. Uh, now that doesn't strictly have to be uh, new towns and new postcodes, even though that there has been some, we've gone a little bit further afield, um, but that couldn't be customer density as well. Um, so we, you know, we, we want to double um, our uh, active customers over the, the next three years for sure. Um, and sort of carry on the same sort of trend um, as we have done. But there's also an understanding of uh, what's got us to this point won't get us to the next point. Um, You can't just sort of rinse and repeat the same marketing and just expect the results to scale just due to your reputation, for example. Um, You you know, and others are going to catch up. Um, you know, like I, I honestly believe that this is still a an underserved market. Um, in terms of caring for people's lawns. Um, so um, there's there's say so there's new businesses you know coming into this space. Let's so say we've come across from mowing ultimately. Um, yeah. so I think it's an underserved market is my uh, opinion. But um, yeah, in terms of what we want to do is um, yeah, work on that active customer number um now that might not be um that might not be easy this year um because of um with our growth and also the economic situation we've got more cancels if you're gonna have i don't know how it is with yourself but we've had recent over the last year or so about 20 percent the cancellation rate each year Okay. So our customers will stick with us for five years. However, a 20% cancellation rate, depending on how many customers you've got in the first place, can get quite high and quite scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, your marketing's got to be on point. And obviously, you've got to reduce those cancels as much as possible. So even though we've been able to keep picking up a lot of new customers, the, the cancels have scaled as well. Just like our costs and fertilizer costs, for example, and fuel costs are scaled. Um, so there's a lot of things that have, have followed, but yeah, it might not actually be all um, just new customers. That's almost the, the obvious one. Um, but for us, it's increasing average customer value. Um, yeah. So w- we've got quite a lot of customers that will have the, the basic treatments, and that's great. If that's if that's all they're looking for, that's great. But um, you know, lawns, as you know, need mechanical work as well. Even if they're just being aerated on an annual basis, for example, or you know, mm-hmm. scarified every other year, like or such, um, they need a bit more than just having fertilizer um, and such. So um, it's just making sure. Um, obviously, you can see it from like a sales angle and trying to increase the numbers and such, but it's serving the customers properly. Ultimately, yeah. is what we do better than than others, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, regardless of what services or products that is, it's it's giving them what they want. Uh, if that be, say, wetting agents and or soil improver applications or whatever the law needs, um, we're, we're there to serve a need, ultimately. Yeah. Um, so if we can grow the business through both um, uh, additional customers over this next year, next three years, and uh, the the average customer value, um by by having both of those two sort of overarching goals, if you like, if we if one of them's slightly off, and the, we do well on the other one, then we're doing well. Yeah, um, yeah. They, might, they might both pull off, sort of thing. So, um, well, 
we'll see how that goes. Um, we we want to um, expand our coverage area. Naturally, we want to serve more people, but at the same time, we don't want to do that at a detriment to the service. Yeah. So at the minute, from our yard, we got about a f- about fifty minutes in every direction. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of homes within that area. Anyway, um, I think it's something like a two thousand. Oh, I don't know. It's two thousand or three thousand square kilometers that we cover. Yet we've not even got quite a thousand customers. Yeah. You know, sort of thing. If you think, you know. So you you know how valuable it is when you've got customers on the same road. Um, so it's improving customer density uh, rather than stretching ourselves further because um, it's all well and good, uh, the cost of diesel, but it's, uh, as the Americans call it, windshield time. <laughs> you yeah, stay yeah. in the van, no one's paying you. It's like no one's paying us to be down the yard while the lawns are frozen. Uh, yeah, these yeah. are just things as a business that have just got to be accounted for. Um, so it's... Um, Improving that is um, is a major goal. And as we've already touched on, a, a big one is recruitment and, mm. and continuing to find the right people because they're the ones that are going to push it forward that really buy into our uh, values and who we are and what we stand for and what we're about um, is going to make everything not just easier but fun, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, ultimately. Um I sort of touched on premises is a, a potential one in terms of office or maybe a bigger yard could be a, a thing over the next three years. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I think they're the sort of the, the, the broad three year goals. Uh, it, for, it's a so. little bit of everything, isn't it? it? It's improving from every angle. So it seems as, <clears throat> excuse me, is the best way to grow and the best way to do it at a rate where it's, not comfortable because growth isn't comfortable. You know what I mean? It, there's times where it hurts. It's painful, you know, and, but by doing it from every angle, it means that it's going together and therefore one area isn't outgrown before the next one has to catch up. You know, it's kind of all simultaneously. Um, one thing that I like what you're saying there with, with even like your treatments or your services is that it's doing the best by the client and, and making them sort of understand, like if you just want treatments, that's fine. But, but you might need more than that, you know, and it's almost that education of cl- two clients as well. Um, one one area where, or one example I can give where I can relate with that for through the 2022 season is a client brought on and they just wanted treatments and they wanted nothing else and more needed done. And they couldn't really grasp this concept that, you know, that there's more work, this mechanical work, scarifications, aerations, even frequent mowing time, what we do offer, is is something that needs to be alongside treatments to get the overall package. You know, it's kind of within balance of each other. And anyway, you know, we're, we're there, we've done the treatments. I think we got the spring, summer and autumn down. And they weren't, you know, particularly buzzing with everything that was going on. To be honest, I was more annoyed with the state of the garden because everything I advised them to do that I could do for them oh, we'll do it. We, we can just do that. You know, when my husband's home, he can do it. And it was kind of one of them scenarios that I'm sure most people has encountered at, at one point or another. And it was trying to get the education across to the client that, you know, it's like the exa- the old example of I can put seed down, but if it isn't watered, which, you know, isn't under my control fully, then nothing's going to happen really, you know? 
you need more than just one angled approach a lot of the times when it comes to loan care or these services. So I think that education time to clients and if they're not understanding, then at least making them understand what the negative effect is by not doing it. You know, you're not pressuring them, you're just educating them, you know, holds a very high value, you know, to the service that you can provide. Yeah, I think uh, a big one, you've almost got to set your stall out from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, if um, if they don't have any mechanical work to start with, I personally find it's quite difficult to sort of get them there later. Um, yeah. it's just, or maybe it's what they've had previously and they're just not used to it. They just don't get it. Um, a big one for us, we'll, we'll take soil samples out of the lawn. We'll have like little soil sampling tubes and we'll show them the thatch layer. We'll show them the quality of the soil. We'll show them the routing. And they've kind of, rather than it just being verbal sort of grass chat that might be going over their head they've got a visual they've got a visual on it basically of what's going on um and you can say look we can we can put some holes through this and it'll help and they can either believe you and trust you or they don't um or maybe it's just down to money um and what they're willing to invest um but at least by giving them sort of that that visual um they tend to uh, everyone sort of learns and differently don't they um Mm -hmm. and just being talked at some people it it doesn't work for them sometimes they want a photo or an image or something visual so um yeah something we'll do anyway um well well, that's it put putting in the visual aids is is fantastic you know and i all at the start of a renovation that i always like doing that anyways i'll take a soil sample and i'll say look this is why we're doing it or even on the consultation i'll say look do you mind if i take a sample of your loan you know i'll go to wherever it might be pull out a little sample and I'll say, look, that's how much moss you've got. That's how much thatch is. You know, this is how it's looking. This is what our service is going to do. But even, you know, another thing that I found is that I would get clients that would kind of want to, or actually I'm, I'm blaming it on clients there. I'm going to hold my hands up here. My fault. And this is my fault. In the start, I, I believe that everyone should have the luxury of having a nice lawn for the kids to play on, to be able to sit out on whatever it might be. And in my initial goal to do this, I used to offer almost a halfway house of a service, right? So full renovation of your garden will be £380, right? But then they'd go, you know, to be honest, we we can't afford that. And I'll go, right, well, I'll tell you what, the soil costs this much. So we can reduce that by, you know, it can still germinate if we do this or use this amount of soil. Um, For example, that's just one example of it. And I would almost not talk them in, but I would try and sell them a service where they're still going to get the grass germinating, but it might not be as good as what it could be, but that's where they're losing, you know, the price. They're paying less money for not as good of a service, but I'm being completely, and I, I need to make this bit clear, I'm being completely transparent with the client at this point where I'm saying, this is not what I fully recommend, but if you want to save money, then you can maybe cut a corner here and there. And like I say again, this is my fault for doing so. And, you know, they would be happy with the end result because, you know, everything's still kind of all right. But me standing there looking at it being like, I'm not quite happy that we done this. Or I know that loan wasn't aerated there. So, you know, you might have problems in 12 months time. And so I've even came to the illusion that talking to the clients, one thing, but also where you set your standards in your business is another. And, you know, so for example, renovations are only going to be complete full renovations 
going forward, you know, in my business from the back end of 2022 and going onwards. So I think it's that, again, it's a two-pronged approach with it's not always just one area. You know, if you're doing something, you might have to actually look at it from a few different angles and go, where else can I improve it? And that was one of my downfalls was the fact that I used to try and offer a halfway house so that clients could afford it. And and really the service kind of suffered because of it. Not that I ever seen any backlash from it, but it just never sat happy with the quality that I want my brand to be perceived as. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is just a lawn care one, but I, I'm always wary of a bit of like a half-baked scarify almost. Yeah. And it's still not coming good. And we'll, I'll, you know, we'll try and um, say to the customer, look, this, this expense is a one-off. If they're struggling to get their head around, it's like we don't need to do this bit next year. If you let us do it properly this year, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, um, yeah, just let us do a, a proper job. But a lot of that is sort of in your your marketing and your website and such, and the sort of communication you're getting out there before. There's there's a reason why they've sort of come to you, ultimately. So um, it's reaching that ideal customer more times than not. Um, and I suppose that. It's I'm jumping around, but a massive one on on just business growth as a whole. It's it's quite easy to, um, so we're looking at like increasing customers and increasing the average customer value, but just not being wasteful when it comes to spending money. Um, uh, there's a there's a business coach that I've been to like a couple of like one day events with. He says he can find ten percent waste in any business, um, and it's so easy when you start going through your bank statement. Uh, things that you don't use and you don't need at all or yeah. things that you can negotiate the price on um, or things that can be worked down. Like I even found one um, last month, just the insurance on our vans uh, by going through a broker. Um, it's 500 quid less this year than it was last year. Um, and the insurance company I was with wanted to put it up another 500 pounds. So it's like yeah. a thousand yeah. pound swing straight away. So sometimes it's almost like not the sexy things um, that push the business forward because you've then just got more cash in the bank in terms of then when you are recruiting or when you are marketing um, or or someone is being a bit funny on a price or or something like that um, just to work with just by being really robust in in terms of your operations. So it just got to be tight-fisted sometimes and sometimes that is standing your ground with customers when they want to try and push back on a on a price or quality of the work or such and say look you're just not going to get a return on investment if we do a half a job you're better off paying the full job mm-hmm. um and you can almost give them guarantees on that then you can say look I'll, you know especially if it's an autumn renovation for us we know we're going to get the rain so we can yeah. just be that a little bit more direct and and proper wear it um in terms of the results then so and I, th- I think that's it if as well if if you can give your word as a professional company then it really does stand your ground you know if you can turn around and say look this renovation is gonna give you this effect at the end it is going to look like this then you know it almost breaks that barrier of doubt that the client has of everything yeah. they're thinking in the head you know if you're jumping around that point and thinking well if they don't water it, then then it might not actually, you know, then that leaves you with a doubt. So you can't promise them anything. 
So, I mean, it goes with confidence, surely, you know, with a lot of things in business, it's that confidence to be able to, to back your own horse and, and actually be aware that what you're doing and what you're trying to provide is something of value, you know, yeah. because with, without that, where can you, where, where does it stand? I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, you know, a lot undercharge for the time and their knowledge and machinery and <laughs> what yeah. they actually do. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's sort of confidence and backing yourself. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Um, so going with this, we have talked a lot about marketing, having it there. Can by any chance you think of what is one of the best or a couple of the best, if you've got them, marketing strategies that you've found, you know, if you can give this away, that would help someone, especially the early days. But, you know, even as someone that's experienced and and you've pushed out a lot to get clients, you know, to hit a number of, like we were saying earlier, you know, a, a thousand on a loan care only company may bring the same revenue as you know someone that does 250 somewhere else now regardless of the the money side of it you're still bringing them calls through right like you're still getting that many people on your books what have you found to be the best sort of marketing campaigns or strategies that you've had um where to start um the minefield think... <laughs> yeah it Firstly, I think it's important not to have all your eggs in one basket because Mm -hmm. say you unlock some gem with some Facebook adverts or something, all it needs is for somebody else to, you know, do the same similar sort of thing or Facebook to change how many people that's being shown to or, or all it needs is a bit of a, you know, a digital slap like that. And, um, and you're back to square one again. So Mm -hmm. I think it's important that you have several, uh, methods. Someone starting up, I wouldn't even look at paid ads because the problem with any paid ads, if it be Facebook or Google, is that as soon as you've got their attention, assuming you do get their attention, when you've got their attention, they're going to be looking at your sort of reputation and how you display online. So if you've not got a really robust website with lots of Google reviews, really good feedback and testimonials and case studies and lots of sort of info to sort of back up what you're saying, why would they click on one business over a green thumb, for example? Yeah. Um, If you haven't got sort of the backing to stand it up. So you could spend a lot of money because I made this mistake. I I went with Google ads far too early, uh, five years or so ago. um, And I didn't have the, the, the pillars in place, almost the the reputation, the reviews and such, and the the whole customer experience. As soon as they then click on your site, are they going to enjoy it um, mm. and want to and want to buy from you? So um, I, I'd I'd be wary with any paid ads uh, from the the start. Flyers did us really well um, in the early days, but I would be wary of it being a scattergun approach. So flies through every door, especially in 2022-23, when money is tight for some, that scattergun approach can be quite wasteful as well. Um, So if you're paying a distribution company to put flies out, there needs to be some element of targeting. Um, Where we do well, if um, we've got a customer on a road and it's a nice road, um, so, so you've got the frost and such like today sort of thing, but 
if if time's on our side anyway, we'll we'll just cloverleaf uh, that road, that estate, and just post maybe 10, 50 flyers just near that property because we both know how valuable it is to pick up the neighbour, for example, for your service. Yeah. Now, from there, I think it depends on how uh, brave you're feeling because you could knock on their door as almost a polite way to introduce yourself and say, I'm so-and-so, I look after so-and-so, um, I just wanted to leave you with my letter or brochure, flyer, whatever it may be that you've you've got, just as a polite way of handing that over, almost as a, a really, really nice door-to-door sale, almost. And yeah. they might just say, oh, come round the back, I've, I've got this to show you, sort of thing. Um, so that's a thought. But what, what we do, uh, we've got a card where we will write the house number on the card that we look after. Okay. So it's, we look after number blank. Now, number nine might have a really nice front lawn. So straight away, there's your testimonial <laughs> sort yeah, of thing yeah. there. And then on the reverse, it says, um, lawns on your road, um, on average, cost between blank and blank per treatment. So we might write in between 30 and 40 quid or or whatever it may be. And it just gives the customer an idea. Well, it's only going to be 200 quid a year, potentially, sort of thing, if we just had the basic service. So they've already got a good idea of what it would cost anyway. Um, you're sort of giving them a bit of a quote without yeah. them even asking. Um, and because you've written number nine on the card, well, maybe they know Mrs. Jones at number nine. So they might go and speak to Mrs. Jones at number nine. So you're sort of prompting a referral there as well. So they're sort of getting you from the card and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so flyers and cards, letters um, can be good. If you're really busy, though, you're never going to get them out anyway. But it yeah. could just be handy if you had a few quiet days to start the year um, just to get you moving um, is a thought. Um, what is used in the... It, this might not work for maintenance uh, in the lawn treatment world to be a bit more targeted. Um, some will use mail campaigns yeah. where you can have a, there's companies out there that will send mail. Uh, we could send a double sided letter, for example, with a flyer in there um, to all houses of a certain council tax band or um, certain house value um so we might just target bigger homes for example so at least that's a little more targeted but it's far more expensive than getting flies out but it's a far nicer piece of marketing so um it might be something to try um but it's um it's a thought um big one for us um well our biggest sources of customers are uh, referrals from current customers um we've got like a, a basic referral scheme that um there's a dedicated page to it on our website to be fair um where we just give like a a 20 quid credit to that customer just as a thank you really they're not doing it for the 20 quid they're doing it because they value our service and they know that we can help um their friend or family member um so a referral scheme of some sort has potential um so you could just even get an email out to customers just sort of giving them that sort of nudge um to say if, if we can help and if your friends and family like I have got X amount of space. So that's um and you we both know again they're gonna be really good customers. They're they're not gonna pass us on to, to anyone. Um but the thing is with referrals it's it's easy when you've got a lot of customers to refer you in the first place. Yeah. Um, a website and digital um 
web presence is our other big one. So, so the biggest ones for us are probably joint referrals and what comes to our site organically. Um, this isn't even paid ads. This is just um, people that are finding our site um, because we score pretty well on Google. Um, I work pretty hard on that myself. So they're coming through Google My Business. Like we've we've got over 155 star reviews. Like people are seeing that, and they're not um, they're not going elsewhere. Clearly, uh, they're mm-hmm. kind of they're seeing those those reviews, the regular posts on there. Having having that um, completed in full is is massive. Um, there's like little uh, tools and checkers to see how you're scoring on on Google My Business out there. But um, yeah, people that come to your website. And they find what they're looking for that um, enjoy that experience that you have uh, on the website and they inquire through the site. Um, so, yeah, Google, a website. Um, it's not an overnight thing, though, um, that, you know, it takes years to sort of that to really build up. Um, so, yeah, in the early days for us, it was flyers. Now it's switched a little bit mail, but uh, a bit more digital, a bit more Google. Um social channels we get a few through linkedin um that works quite well uh but it's it's only it's not that many to be honest yeah media um most social sites at the end of the day they make their money through paid ads they don't want to show run of the bill on businesses uh very often in people's feeds so you don't really get the reach from organic posts anyway so it's good because it's free but um, yeah, if I was starting out, I would make sure that I've got um, some good, um, a high quality flyer of some sort that you really think about that copy and what you are trying to put across and what pain you are trying to solve for your customer and make sure that's on the front page. If it be a lack of time or long grass or moss and weeds like on, is on our flyer, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but make sure that copying that flyer is really good and you can obviously get a lot of those out yourself start to form a digital presence as well for definite um, would be the, the way to go. Obviously, you can get them out yourself, big stars to start with. But mm. And again, emails to your current customers, encourage that referral and, and knock on a few doors. If they say that, um, you know, Mr. Smith's a, a good bloke, then go and have a chat. Um, yeah. Do no harm at all. Um, there's so many different avenues. Uh, at the end of the day, you sort of got to find out what works for, for you. And you can only do that by trying a few things. But obviously, you want to try a few things that don't burn a load of cash. Yes. It's sort of in a controlled manner in terms of what could work. Um, and then, obviously, when you've uh, got an opening there, it's a case of really working hard on it and how you can roll it out a bit further. Absolutely. I mean, I always try and say that, you know, hit a hit marketing from you can't hit it from too many angles you know if we're talking about organic and paid then literally as long as you whatever your budget is you know let's say you've got a 50 pound budget you're just starting out you want to put that in paid ads fine <clears throat> but don't just leave it there like what you're saying there jack is like there's so many different ways that you can do it and i would say explore them because each person's a bit different you know you're going to have clients around your area that don't do anything online. I've got a couple of clients that, you know, they'll just about ring me. Other than that, they're like, if you send me a text or try and get me to go on a website, she was like, I'm sorry, but I wouldn't be able to get back to you. Like, it's just technology's over the heads. So 
a flyer through the door for them, you know, is exactly what they're probably looking for compared to, you know, like you say, Google, something on Google or a Facebook uh, paid ad. They're not going to be in that space to see it. So by having something that crosses off a few different sections here, like a paid ad on either Google, Facebook, for example, and then you follow up with the organic side, like just having a Google My Business, you know, free website, whatever it might be, so that there's something there. Obviously, like what you're saying there, Jack, having something that is um, solid, like a fantastic website, and it's all professionally done, you know, that's amazing. That's what everyone should aim for. But in the start, having some website, I can promise you, is better than having no website. I mean, I know straight away, if I look for anyone on Google and there's not a website there, I tend to not even call them. Whereas if, let's say, the plumber underneath has got a website, I'll definitely check it out, you know, just because why wouldn't you? So definitely try it as like a several-pronged approach. Don't just go, oh, Facebook ads is it, and I'll just put all my money that I've got for marketing into that. You know, try a few different ways and get it out there. But um, Google My Business has been my biggest one. And I've seen very good things come from it. But like you say there, you need to have a presence about you on the profile. So if you are just starting or if you've been going for a long time, but you're not properly online yet, get in touch with, I don't know, the 40, 80, 120 clients that you've already got and say, Mrs. Jones, you know, we you've been using our service now for the past four years. Please, can you follow this link below and leave us a, a nicely rated um, Google review? You know, whatever it might be, however you see it, but get them reviews through because I think when someone first comes across your name or whatever it might be, whether it's a website, an advert, just your name across on a flyer, they're going to, whatever they see in front of them, yeah, whatever it is, that's what they're going to, that first impression really does count because that's their difference between a gun in the bin or going on like the cork board, so to speak. So um, I do think it's a massively important thing. The last thing I want to ask you, Jack, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to push you for a quick answer on this one because of time, but what is your top tip for owning and running a business? Just one thing that's, if you could give it to someone that's just starting out or someone that's in a place of struggle at the moment, what would be your top tip? Top tip probably comes back to what we discussed earlier in terms of speaking to other people and learning from them. Um, if that be is in some more formal sort of networking group or individuals or Facebook groups or such, ask questions in that people want to help and are yeah. happy to help as others have helped them. Um, there's so many um, mistakes that they have made, like me with Google Ads a few years ago and such. Yeah. There's so many mistakes that can be learned from that you don't need to make. It's as simple as that. If that be marketing, if that be recruiting, so if that be machines or products, uh, I think it comes back to, um, yeah, just not making mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> Gets yeah. you a long way in business. Yeah, um, yeah that would be it for me. Yeah, absolutely. And then the very last question here is, you know, in case anyone wants to reach out to thank you or follow you on a certain social platform, how can people find you online? Sure. So our website is kingsburylawncare.co.uk. So you're more than welcome to to check out that. Um, I've got a blog on there that I keep pretty well updated. So um, 
any uh, ideas for posts or feedback, and that is always welcome. On social, I uh, I have a personal profile on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Um, so you're more than welcome to to find me on those. Uh, I think there's like a, the Facebook one's like a, a company page, isn't it? But yeah, yeah, Twitter and Twitter and LinkedIn um, are the best social channels for definite. And yeah, you're more than welcome to to have a look at the business online. Um, yeah, that's great. Awesome, and hopefully you know people can have a look into them and see everything that we're talking about here just build more of a picture to it but jack i just want to thank you personally for coming on tonight you've shared a lot of experience there and also a lot about not just the experience of what you're going through but to jump it that much in depth about how you're building a business and where you're heading and the tools that you found that have really you know assisted you to get there it is absolutely fantastic so thank you for being so open and and for jumping on today no, it was all sound. No, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, um, yeah, anytime. Perfect. Right then, everyone. Thank you very much for tuning into this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I really do hope that you've you've been able to take away a lot from this podcast. If you can't, then I will have in the show notes below, if you swipe all the way down from this episode, Jack's website there where you can check out his profile. And like I say on the Twitter as well, where if you want to go send him a message or check out the business through Facebook, you'll be able to do so. But again, if you've enjoyed it, then please like and rate this podcast. It's the absolute best thing you can do to support the podcast is by simply hitting follow and sharing it. So anyway, thank you for joining us again, and we'll see you again next week. Take care.